Welcome to the Greater Church Podcast. We are praying that wherever you find yourself on the journey, that this message will be an encouragement and blessing to you. And now, here's today's message. You may be seated. Wow, wow, wow. Well, I would obviously not be anything without Jesus, but also uh, his gift to me, my dear wife, Dr. Robin, would you stand, sweetheart, so everybody can see? Yeah. We, uh, this past January, we celebrated 50 years of marriage. Hello. When I was uh, a young person, I thought, the number 50 was way beyond anything I'd ever see in my life. Not only did I reach 50, I've now reached almost 71, and she's been with me for 50 years of those 71 years, and we're so grateful just to be a couple that's still going for the glory of God. And I could not be happier to be at Greater Church today. Oh, my goodness. My goodness. Y'all ought to be the happiest people on the planet. I tell you right now. Because you, you, you don't really understand what, what you have here. You have a diverse congregation. That mostly does not happen in the United States. And uh, it's happening right here. So get ready because you will not be able in the next five years to hold the crowds that God wants to bring to his altar and see their lives change because they'll say, oh, there's some of me here. Someone else will say, oh, there's some of me here. Oh, there's some of me here. And people will be attracted to that because that's what heaven looks like. That's what this country looks like. But sometimes that's not what the church looks like. And that church has got to look like that for God to sweep this nation for the end day revival. Now, I want to say this. I was with a group of young men, my second son being one of them this past week. And we were together and we were discussing things. And, and Rich Jr. said, now, Dad, I want you to just talk to these guys. I want you to just kind of give them some whatever, you know. I said, I just want to ask you one question. I'm not going to talk. I just want to ask you one question. What is that one thing that has to happen in your life before you go to heaven? What is that one thing that you will not give up until that one thing happens. Because if you can name that one thing, I'm going to tell you right now, you won't die until that one thing happens for sure. And that's part of what I'm going to be talking about today. Should have heard those men start talking and what the one thing was. I got more than one. I got two. I got three. These things. I said, let me tell you something. You can name that thing. You're not going to die till that thing happens. And the point is God's put every one of us, no matter our age, on this planet. 
to see his glory explode through our lives to other people. Hallelujah. I am so proud of Chino and Lydia, Echeverria, that it's, I shouldn't say proud. I should say grateful. Proud, you know, kind of suggests that you could a little pride in there like you had. So I had nothing to do with that. I am grateful for their commitment to Jesus Christ. I am grateful for the price they pay. And together, this place is going to win for Jesus. Oh, I'm so, I drove up today and I'm going, oh my God, dear God, this is amazing. It's amazing. Now, when he and Lydia came to our school, they, they were going to another church. And I said, oh, no, no, we can't do that. If you're in our school, you've got to leave where you are and you've got to come to our church. Because we're not just giving education. We're giving winning culture. And most churches die for lousy culture. You walk into a lot of churches and they're deader than a mackerel. And don't sit there like, well, I never heard of that. Before. You know what I'm talking about. And that's why you're here. Because this place ain't dead. All right? And where it's going is going to be miraculous. This is a great city, Kennesaw. I mean, it's the first time I've ever been here. I've been to Atlanta a million times. But this is an incredible... Oh, was it your school in, in the Sweet 16 or last 60? Yeah, I mean, Kennesaw University. I mean, I went, what? I saw that. In the, my, and then he showed, he showed me around the campus yesterday. What a city. What a city to place a stake for the gospel of Jesus Christ. And you're doing it. You're doing it. And this culture will overtake this community for the glory of God. Well, today I want to speak from my heart and I want to thank God for this band. And let's just together believe God for victory before I preach today. Would you just pray with me, Lord God? Today we acknowledge that you're everything and we're your kids. We're not nothing because we're your kids, but you're everything. Today we give you the glory. We give you the honor. We say thank you for changing me. Thank you for bringing me out of darkness into your marvelous light. Thank you, Lord, for placing this church as a light on a hill in a city that needs light. Bless Greater Church. Bless Pastor Chino and Lydia. We pray that you would speak through this word you've given me today. In Christ's name, and everybody said... Amen. God bless you. Um, do, do we have that picture? I don't, I don't know really who's running my slides. That picture of the gentleman, if it could come up right now. Um, well, if it, there it is. There it is. Uh, this man's name is Louis Latimer. And... Uh, I don't want to embarrass you, but... And so don't respond. But do any of you know who this man is? I mean, some may know who this man is. But I'd say 98% of you don't have a clue who Louis Latimer is. His parents were runaway slaves into Massachusetts. Thank you, ma'am. Very kind. 
man, I just started preaching and people are leaving already. <laughs> anyway, um, they were runaway slaves and got into uh, Massachusetts and became free. They were dirt poor, had nothing. Lewis became the draftsman who helped Alexander Graham Bell file his patent for the telephone. Now, folks, the telephone we have in our hand today is like, oh, God, I lost it, Jesus. Thank you, Lewis. Alexander could not have made that phone without Lewis Latimer. That's kind of impressive, but that's just a little smidgen of this man's life. Latimer also patented the carbon filament for the incandescent light bulb in 1881. Thomas Edison, and it's true, is generally recognized as the creator of the light bulb. The problem with Edison's light bulb was that it would only stay burning for a couple minutes. Who needs it? All right, you get light for, oh, it's gone. It's gone. Latimer came along with his patent for the carbon filament, and because of that carbon filament, the light bulb would stay on for hours and hours. And so it's, uh, you know, it's good to be in the dark. You need to sleep. But it's good to be in the light. Amen? Thank you, Louis Latimer. Not only that, but Latimer was a pioneer of the electric lighting industry in America and around the world. He was one of Thomas Edison's 100 pioneers but he was the only one of the hundred pioneers who was a black man. He went on to invent a number of other useful gadgets, including the flush train on the toilet. Can I get an amen? Oh, thank God for the flush. Oh, I could go into tongues, I'm telling you right now. I mean, I could go on and on about this man. And, and, and he never stopped until he died. His parents were runaway slaves and had nothing, but somehow they instilled in this man, this son of theirs, to go, 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 never stop. And because of it, we're sitting in light today because of Lewis Latimer. And the thing is, is that most of you in this room have never heard of him. Now, why am I bringing this up? Because all of us in this room were put on this planet for the betterment of the world in which we're living in. We weren't put on this planet for nothing. We were put here to make it better. Some of us have a smaller piece of the planet to work with than others do, but it's still the same deal. We must Move forward and go, go, go until he calls us home. Either way, we're put here to improve it. My topic for this message today is simply, Jesus helps me change my world. Now, if you can keep this in your brain and in your heart, you'll live forever. I promise. 
And some of you are sitting here, you've already quit living. I'm going to talk to you in a minute. In fact, I'm going to talk to two specific groups, and I call them the gifters and the lifters. And you can give a dividing line of about 40, but I'm not really going to work with those ages today. But say under 40 are your lifters. The lifters were here in force yesterday. This is the volunteer force of the church of Jesus Christ. This is what we call servant leaders that are just, I'm there. I'm not saying that lifters don't give. They give money too. But the primary volunteerism of a church is 40 and under. Gifters are 40 and over. And they're the primary funders of the work of God. All right. I'm not saying that people over 40 aren't lifters because there's a lot of volunteers who are over 40 years of age. But these two groups must remain in a church at all times because you got to have heavy lifters, but you got to have heavy gifters to keep everything financed and moving forward. I want to talk to two groups today. One of them is a younger group in this room. The other one is the older group in this room. And to be honest with you, the 40 age group with about 10 to 20, 15 years on either side of you, I'm really not talking to you initially. I'm talking to that 25 and under, that 65 and older. For just a moment, I promise you it won't be boring. There's two Old Testament characters that I want to talk to you about today. The first one is found in Judges 3, excuse me, 6, verses 12 through 15. If you have your Bibles, follow along. Otherwise, it will come up on the screens. And the Word of God says, when the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon, he said, the Lord is with you, mighty warrior. <clears throat> Pardon me, my Lord. Gideon replied, but if the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? Where are all his wonders that our ancestors told us about when they said, did not the Lord bring us up out of Egypt? But now the Lord has abandoned us and given us into the hand of Midian. The Lord turned to him and said, go in the strength you have and save Israel out of Midian's hand. Am I not sending you? Pardon me, my Lord. Gideon's great opening line. Pardon me, my Lord, Gideon replied. But how can I save Israel? My clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I am the least in my family. Perhaps you're sitting here today You've got big dreams or you felt the Lord has said something to you. And yet all you have to say back to Jesus is, how can I change my world when I'm the least in my world? Here's a Jewish young man from the half tribe of Manasseh. 
Manasseh, according to Gideon, Gideon said, my clan in Manasseh is the weakest. And he was the weakest member of his family. Here's a young man who is young and afraid. And I am running into young adults across this nation, everywhere I travel, who are young and they are good looking. They seem to have everything on the planet going for them, but they're scared spitless. They open this phone and see the greatness of everybody else and they go, I'm not them. And all of those people are phony. They didn't even post their picture till they doctored it up. <laughs> Come on. You may be sitting in this room today, Pastor, I can't do anything great. And then the excuses from you begin, just like came from Gideon. I'm unlearned. I'm weak. I have a lousy family. People don't like me. I'm hiding from the law. I don't have any gifts at all. I'm flat broke. How can I, the least in my world, make a difference? It's impossible, Rich. But here's what God said to Gideon then, and he's saying it to you now, today. You say, well, you sound kind of like you're an authority. I'm not an authority, I'm 71. Okay, and I don't want to screw around with what I have left. So I'm going to tell you what I believe. God says to him. And he's saying to you and me today, go in the strength you have and save Israel out of Midian's hand. Am I not sending you? That's right. You go on the strength you have because I'm sending you. Two things I want to say about the Lord's command to Gideon. First, God told Gideon to go in the strength that you have. In other words, what God is calling you to do today, he's already given you the strength you need to accomplish it. You've already got what you need to do what he's told you to do. Who, me? Yeah, you, 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 you. Every one of you in this room. Here we see Gideon, who was pretty unrighteous. You see, he's blaming God for not re restoring them like he did the earlier Israelites. But the problem here is, is that these crazy Jewish people had turned their back wholeheartedly on God and had nothing to do with God and were worshiping idols. And they're blaming him for not helping them. Well, man, if you're not going to worship me, my hands are tied. Huh. His father, Gideon's father, had erected a, a, a giant image of Baal for his village to serve. Not the God of Israel, the God of Baal. Stone, eyes that couldn't see, ears that couldn't hear, lips that couldn't speak. They're worshiping a piece of stone. And his dad had also erected Asherah poles, which were evil, demonic things all over their village. So here 
were these people praying to dead gods that could not hear them and blaming the living God for not answering their prayer. In other words, they were now worshiping the gods of their enemies. They had yielded to peer pressure. They were Jews worshiping Baal. But how did things begin to change? I'll tell you, they changed. An angel appears to Gideon and talks to Gideon. And when the angel talks to Gideon, Gideon begins to pray. Uh, all while I'm preaching to you, because our online service back in Miami rolls all day long. Our last showing is 9.30 on Sunday nights. So all while I'm, I'm, I'm feeling buzzing. <laughs> that's where I keep my iPhone, all right? And people are texting me. And they're saying, Pastor, I want to accept Christ. Pastor, I'm ready. They're responding to the altar call. Because I come on at the end of the online service, I say, here's my personal cell phone. I want you to text me, and I'll get back to you today. So when I get done with the service, I'll be texting about 20 people, but I'll be doing that when I'm on the plane this evening. All right? Now, now why did I bring that up? Because this morning early, our first service, 730, so I'm in the hotel, and people start texting me at 9 o'clock when the show ends, ends. And one man said, you know, I've been watching you online for two years. He said, I, I'm, I'm miserable because I can't seem to leave my old habits. He said, now, I haven't smoked for two years. I never preach against smoking. But he, that was something that was hot. And so God removed him. So he, he talks about good things that he's done. But he's more worried about the bad things that haven't changed. And he gets down this long text Pastor, I don't want advice. I want a word from God. I said, well, my word from God is start thanking God for what he's already done in your life. I see big change, but the biggest change is you've started praying. And folks, when people start praying, God starts speaking and change begins happening. And the change that took place in Gideon's life was he started praying. An angel appears to him and he starts praying. Now, folks, no matter how unrighteous you may feel you are, when you start praying to the God of all the ages, things will begin to happen. I can tell you with all my heart, change is right here, right now. Here's what King David said in Psalm 62. And verse 8, trust in him at all times, you people. Pour out your hearts to him, for God is our refuge. He's the one that we run to in times of trouble. Gideon was weak. He was hopeless. But when the angel appeared to this unrighteous loser, he was at least honest when he said, I'm the weakest you'll ever meet, God. What can I do? God says to you today, 
go in the strength you have. Greater church, I've given you everything I'm asking you to do right now to empower you to get it accomplished. When you've obeyed me on that, I'll give you the next word. Just keep obeying my word and following my leadership and you will win, win, win. All I ever do is win, win, win. Can I get an amen? Something. Something else happens. If you stop praying, you start listening to other voices, people at the university. And you're usually listening to the losers at the university. You listen to people at work, and you're listening to the losers at work. You're usually not talking to the CEO, getting advice from her or him. You're talking to the guy that's next to the guy next to him. Yeah, well, it's not going to happen. <laughs> I tried that once. It was a bomb. You know, and you hear this all day. Yeah, bad stuff, negative stuff, hopeless stuff. I'm a loser. It's obvious you're a loser because you're where I am in this place where we work. No, no, no. You may be a loser. Don't call me that. I'm a man of God. I'm a woman of God. I'm coming out of this stuff, man. See, go in the strength you have. Pour your heart out to him. Stop talking to all the weaklings around you. Why am I telling you this day? Because God promises us in Deuteronomy 28, verse 12, the Lord will open the heavens, the storehouse of his bounty, to send rain on your land in season and to bless all the works of your hands. You just started a business Give it all back to God and watch the blessing just start to roll like you never dreamed. So first God says, do what I've told you to do because I've given you the strength you need to do it. Secondly, God tells Gideon, remember, I'm the one who is sending you. Okay, Marty Farkle did not tell you to do this. I, the Lord God of all the ages, am telling you to go in the strength you have, and as you go, I'm the one who is empowering you every step of the way. My God, what else do you need? You see, it was Isaiah who said in Isaiah 43, 1 through 3, oh, I love this. But now this is what the Lord says. He who created you, Jacob, he who formed you, Israel, do not fear, for I have redeemed you. I have summoned you by name. You are mine. Whose are you? That's what you've got to answer. All right? You are mine. Stop talking to me like that. I'm, I'm a man of God. Right. I'm a woman of God. Right. See that? Who are, whose are you? When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. 
When you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze. For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. I'm not just talking about saving you for eternal life. I'm talking about I'm your Savior 24-7. Every minute of the day, I'll get you out of that. I'm your Savior. That's who I serve. Hallelujah. For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. Oh, church, Gideon went on to free his people with just three hundred men against tens of thousands because it was God doing the work anyway. Yeah, they had a job ahead or two off, but God was the one that came through. Even if you believe you are the least of the least, you can still make a difference in your world because Jesus helps me change my world. Me. Still, some of you may be asking, how can I change my world when I'm so old? All right? And so since this is not a religious church, I'm going to add a word on that line. How can I make a difference in my world when I'm so dang old? (laughs) How many sometimes feel like you're dang old, huh? Yeah. Some of you can't even stand through the entire worship service. My God, my knees are starting to fit. Oh, I better sit. Oh, there, praise God. <laughs> Look at the old man Caleb and Joshua 14 verses 6 through 14. Now the people of Judah approached Joshua at Gilgal, and Caleb, son of Jephthah, the Kenzanite, said to him, You know what the Lord said to Moses, the man of God at Kadesh Barnea, about you and me, Joshua? I was 40 years old when Moses, the servant of the Lord, sent me from Kadesh Barnea to explore the land, and I brought him back a report according to my convictions. But my fellow Israelites who went up with me made the hearts of the people melt in fear. I, however, followed the Lord my God wholeheartedly. He's not being boastful. He's stating facts. So on that day, Moses swore to me, the land in which your feet have walked will be your inheritance and that of your children forever because you have followed the Lord my God wholeheartedly. Now then, just as the Lord promised, he has kept me alive for 45 years since the time he said that to Moses while Israel moved about in the wilderness. So here I am today, 85 years old. I'm still as strong today as the day Moses sent me out. I'm just as vigorous to go out to battle now as I was then. Now give me this hill country that the Lord promised me that day. You yourself heard the Anakites were there and their cities were large and fortified. But the Lord 
helping me. I will drive them out just as he said. Then Joshua's like, oh dear God, okay. Blessed Caleb, son of Jephthah, and gave him Hebron as his inheritance. So Hebron has belonged to Caleb, son of Jephthah, the Kinzanite, ever since, because he followed the Lord, the God of Israel, wholeheartedly. 85 years old. Some of you guys are 60, 65, 70. <gasps> what? My God. What? That's in the Bible? Yeah, it's there. And that's on you right now. Hard. It ain't going to line up. It's going, not going to lighten up. That's on you and me. I want to talk to you old folks. Not me. <laughs> I'm only 71. All right. So we're going to have a little talk here. All right. What promises concerning your future inheritance has God given you that you still have not received and you're not even asking him about it anymore. Come on. Come on. God had promised Caleb when he was 40. You have followed me wholeheartedly. So I'm going to give you the land of Hebron. Now you're going to have to go up and fight like the Dickens to destroy those people who are there now, but it's yours. I'm giving you the promise. Go on the strength you have because I'm going with you. You'll have to knock them out, but it's your property. That was a promise that Caleb kept concerning his future. He never woke up a day over the next 45 years that he didn't think to himself, Hebron's mine. That's my property. That is my property. And one day he had said that so many times. He said, you know what? I'm going to stop waiting for those people to die up there. I'm going to have to go take them out. I'm going to talk to Joshua about it. He's my buddy. See, he never forgot the promise. He held the promise of his future inheritance in his heart. He never stopped believing. He never gave up on the promise. Others had caused the Israelites to walk away from the promises of God. They got to talking about giants in the land. And, and in comparison, they felt like grasshoppers. And we could never... Peanut weakling. Ah, I never get a break. Caleb was not one of them. And he was older than all of them. 85. 
He says, enough's enough. He goes to Joshua at the age of 85. You see, there comes a point in one's life where you have to turn the news off. Shut YouTube down. All right? Uh, turn the podcast off and that we're probably going to be dead as a nation in two years. Turn all that stuff off. Stop it. Say, stop talking about it. I, I just stay in my house now. I, you know, my grandmother, when I, the night I got married, I was 20. My grandmother was there. She was a great woman of God. She said, now, Rich, I want you to promise me that you and Robin won't have any kids. Because, you know, this is a terrible world to bring children into. In any day, any moment, any moment, Jesus is coming. Now, folks, I have lived every day of my life like Jesus is coming today. But, baby, I got four kids and I got nine grandkids. And I ain't giving up till God calls me. Are you kidding me? My sons alone have won more people to Christ than I've won to Christ. You don't stop on the promises God has given you. You keep going, no matter what. You say, Pastor Rich, Pastor Rich, <laughs> I'm too old. Then I say, it's time to get bold. If you're admittedly old, then you need to be old and bold. Huh. You're never too old for God. Remember, he's the ancient of days. He's got white hair. Put a full head of it. I'm just saying. He's the ancient. He, he loves the red and yellow, black and white. We are precious in his son. But he loves old people too. And he's got a mission for old folks. Hallelujah. That I am old. So I'm glad I still I still have purpose. I still, I still have not gotten all of my inheritance. And I know what it is. Now, that should get some of you a reason to say, I'm getting out of this bed. I'm getting out of this chair. I'm getting out of this wheelchair. I'm going to get this weight off of me. I may live to be... My mother was sure she was going to die when she was 70. She's 93 now, living in a nursing home because she didn't like living with me. <laughs> she goes, I got a bunch of friends now. They're all Jewish. I'm leading all of them to Jesus Christ. <laughs> Praise God, Mom, 93. I'm going to take this handicap sticker off of my rearview mirror. you got a handicap sticker, it means two things. You're still driving. You must have gotten from your house to the car. It means something else, too. You want to use your age for a better parking space. 
not talking about people that are permanently crippled. I get that. But baby, I was 45 years old and had my left knee replaced. And the first thing I did was apply for a handicapped sticker on my rear view mirror. Man, for about two weeks, I drove up. Thousands of cars. <laughs> One day, I pulled in, feeling like a million bucks, 45 years old. God said, you're faking it. You want to be an old guy at 45? Is that, is that really? Is that what you're going for? I come against you, devil, in the name of... I heard the same line again. Whenever it's not the devil, it always keeps coming to you. That's God. And I literally put my head on the steering wheel, and I started to cry. I took that thing off. I said, God, I'm going to be young until you take me home. Until you call me home, I am going to get up off of that thing and work for God. And folks, I believe I'm just getting started. I mean that with all of my heart. I've never been this. And a bunch of young people are going, oh, geez. You mean all, all these old people are going to get new life now and they're going to keep going? And we're gonna, yeah, exactly. That's exactly what I'm saying. Give me this mountain. Give me that hill country. Give it to me. God, you promised it to me. I'm not going to die until I receive my inheritance. All right? Now, that should give some of you reason to say, I ain't done. Yeah. I'm going to get out. I, 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 and folks, I can't even tell you what's in front of me. Because some of what's in front of me is really bad. But I'm going to get through the bad stuff. And after I get through that bad stuff, I am going to kill the devil. I'm telling you. I'm not boasting. I'm telling you. This is our own heart's cry. I'm still breathing. I've got to kill the devil. On my watch, I will take him out. Hallelujah. 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 I don't care how old you are, how young you are. If you're a man or a woman of God, he is with you, and he has given you everything you need to win. Now, I've never told this publicly. I've told this to friends, and then I'm going to close the service. But uh, right after I took the rearview mirror sticker off, you know, handicap sticker off, God called us to Miami right after that. When I decided to keep living and go for it, God said, I want you to go to Miami. And we were all scared. My wife was scared, my four sons. My oldest son was a senior in high school. You don't move a child in his senior year. My youngest boy was going into the second grade. He was eight years old. Four sons, all at critical times in their life. And God said, 
if you will go to Miami, I will turn Miami into a Christian destination location. This was in 1998. In 1998, Miami, Florida was the number one gay capital of the United States of America. In 1998, Miami, Florida was the, the, the poorest large city in America, number one poorest. In 1998, Miami, Florida was the number one party city in America. And in 1998, we were the fourth murder capital of America gangs, cocaine, it was, we were the gateway into America at that time for cocaine. It was just, 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 I can't describe. God said, if you go there in time, it's not going to happen overnight. I'm going to give you a city in time that will become a Christian destination location. Up to that point, it was always, you know, Southern California. You'd go for big Christian events or Phoenix or Dallas or Orlando. But, man, nobody came to Miami, trust me. And uh, he said, secondly, if you'll go to Miami, I'll give you $100 million to supply the needs of the vision that I'm going to give you. I'm in. Yeah. Yeah, Christian destination, no worries. But 100000000 million, I'm in. I am totally in. And um, we moved there. And the first three years there, I didn't do very much ministry except to preach because I was looking for the $100 million. Uh, my wife and I flew to London to try and arbitrage the banking system there. And we knew people there. And just lost all kinds of money. We didn't receive a salary for the first five years we were in Miami. Church couldn't afford it. And when, when we're finally just dirt broke, the Lord said, listen, you're going to get the hundred million, but listen, here, here's the deal. Let me take care of that. You do the work of the gospel. Okay. A week later, my wife found in the Miami Herald a little advertisement that said uh, a new RFP is being offered. That's a request for proposal. In other words, it's a bidding operation that you write contracts towards the government in hopes of winning the contract and receiving government funds for those who are battling some area of their life. Well, we were in the dead center of poverty in Miami, Florida. And so my wife said, hmm, I'm smart. I could at least go get one of those contracts and fill it out. So she did. It took her about six weeks. And when she was done, it looks like a doctoral thesis when you're all finished, right? And when she was finished, she was competing about a, against 100 other organizations for a day camp the following summer. And when she was finished, she won her first try. She won $175,000. And that coming summer, we were able to take 500 inner city kids through our eight-week day camp, Monday through Friday, 8 a.m. to 5 p.m., five days a week, 500 little kids. 
and a bunch of our workers. And I'm, we had a this we had we had a tent on our property and an office in an old A-frame. And I'm telling you, folks, everything else was asphalt, hotter than H-E double toothpick. I, I'm, I just can't tell you how hot those poor kids on that asphalt. And um, that began a, the most unique marriage in our church history, and that was a marriage between church and state, which, as you know, this government, this nation, was built with a separation between church and state. But our people and where we were located and what we could accomplish and our board of directors fulfilled all the requirements of the contract. And so the money comes to Trinity Church. That was 22 years ago. In that time, we have won close to $90 million from the government, federal government, local government. If you can believe that. Thousands upon thousands upon thousands of young people, young adults have been saved. We have started two mega churches in town off of our church. We sent a thousand people down south to the VU church that my son pastors. We sent in 2019, 700 people west into Miramar, Florida with one of our spiritual sons. And they had the largest ARC church launch in history, 1,150 people. Most of them Trinity Church people. And they're winning, they're exploding. And um, I was praying there. I said, God, you've, I said, God, you've almost uh, got the hundred million. Oh, no, 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 no. Her Lord said, no, 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 no. That's not it. That's not the hundred million. So what are you talking about? No, 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 no. That's, that's something you guys came up with. That's good. I've opened some doors. That's good. No, you'll get, no, that's fine. No, that's not the hundred million. The hundred million is something else. And about three weeks later, I got a word from God, and it came on me so intense. It was early in the morning. My wife came in. She's standing there, and I said, God says this, blah, 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 blah. She goes, you're an idiot. I go, you've said that before. Uh, we're still here. She goes, but this is the nuttiest thing I've ever heard yet. I said, well, I got it. We got it. Five days later, one of our dearest friend couples in New York City called us and said exactly to me, what God had spoken to me five days earlier. And Robin was standing there when they called and she respects them like her own family. She went, oh man, praise God. Well, let's get ready. Now, what am I saying? I have a purpose. I have a goal. I'm going to get the hundred million. You will hear about it. You will get some of it. But I'm also saying, go get your own dang hundred million. Get your passion. Get your purpose. And kill the devil while you're awake. With God's help, we can do it. Thanks for listening to our podcast today. The mission of Greater Church is to reach and empower all people. We 
hope that this message met you wherever you find yourself on the journey. If God is using this ministry to impact your life, please head to our website at www.greater.church where you can read a message from our pastors, partner with us by giving online, and learn more about what is happening in the life of our church. And don't forget to subscribe to our podcast.